0: Welcome to the Story Night Podcast, a
1: place where we share hearts, our hurts, and how God's wonder intersects with the story of our lives. A ministry of Calvary Mac. Here's our host, Jessica Campbell. Hi, ladies, and welcome back to the Story Night Podcast. If this is your first time listening, we encourage you to check out episode one to understand a little bit about what story night is in the first place, uh, or just any other episodes between then and now to hear some other stories. But for those of you who have been listening for a long time, you have heard me mention on many episodes that Sandra, who was a guest on one of our previous episodes, leads up the Christian writing group at Calvary Mac, and she has So many wonderful guest authors that come to speak to the group. And those guest authors often agree to share their story on the Story Night podcast. And so tonight I have another one of those lovely guest authors. Her name is Darlene. So, Darlene, thank you so much for being here. And before we share your life story, would you quickly introduce yourself to the listeners and tell them about your current life?
0: Thank you. Uh, My name is Darlene. And I live on the coast of Washington, and I live in a home with my grandson and his dad, who was married to my daughter, my son and his wife, who live in a a, a motor home outside of the house, and my husband and I. And we are having a great time all together. We have lots of cars parked in our driveway. We always look like we have company. So I rarely get anybody just dropping by because it's pretty crowded out there in that driveway. <laughs> my grandson my grandson is waving to me. <laughs> As oh, we talk, he's just walking by the window waving at me. Okay, so we have a house full.
1: You do. And you know, right away, I think some listeners are going, wait a minute, hold on who is related to who and how and what and c- kind of trying to visualize this family tree. So in order for us to get this proper family tree understood, we we're going to go back and hear your life story and plug in all of these family members for you, including and in- including the one waving at us. Hello. <laughs> so Darlene, with that, I'd like to invite you to share your story with us.
0: I would love to. I would not be surprised if you got confused with all these family members, because when I tell my story to other people, they're going, who? What? Oh, no, I lost track. (laughs) And it's true. My mother and father were teenagers when they got married. They had me, one child, and then they got a divorce. My mother remarried, and when she married, her husband adopted me. So I never knew my dad. Then I became a big sister. My mother had a son, my brother. And then when my brother was seven and I was 14, my mom and dad, I call them dad, my mom and dad got a divorce. And my dad retained custody of my brother and I. My dad remarried and his wife's name was Carol. And my mom remarried both in the same year the same summer actually. So my mom remarried a man named Jack and they both lived happily ever after supposedly. Now I have one dad, one adopted dad and a stepdad. I have one stepmother and a mother and another stepmother. So see why people get confused who's who and <laughs> So anyway, then at this time in my youth, from the time I was a little girl until I was a teenager, my friends who attended church, church camp, vacation Bible school, any kind of uh, church activity would invite me to go with them. And I did. And. I didn't care if it was Presbyterian, Baptist, Lutheran, Assembly, whatever. I I went with my friends. And that was my connection with church. It wasn't every Sunday. It was a lot of holidays. My parents were not Christians and did not attend church, but maybe sometimes on Christmas, sometimes Easter. And so that was my exposure to church and the Lord. As I grew up in this mishmash of families, I kind of developed an angry side of me, an angry side that was like, there must be something wrong with me that I can't keep all this family taking the responsibility onto myself. That I can't keep all these families together. So I did something really so odd. I would punish myself. I would hurt myself physically. And I... And I didn't know other people did this. Now I know, but I didn't know other people did this. But it was kind of atoning for my own lies, misbehavior, stubbornness, anger, all of the things that were exposed to me and my thoughts and, and my hate for other people. So when I was 20, I took all of that baggage into a marriage with me. And when I married, I married a man who had two little children. One was one-year-old and one was two years old. And I was married with a family. I came home from my honeymoon of three days to two little kids. I had never been around little kids except my brother. And so, I, I mean, I wasn't a babysitter or any of that kind of thing. Because when you have a family that's split, you have every other week. Uh, Visitations. And so it just turned out that I had not spent much time around children. But right after I was married for 10 and a half months and had my first child, a little girl, then I had three little ones. And then I had another baby when I was 24, a son, and I had my hands full, very full. And of course, I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, I knew how to have a baby, but I didn't know what I was doing. So I was miserable. I I felt like a failure as a mom. I felt like a failure as a wife. I just did not have it all together. And my husband, in order to support this family of six now, he worked two jobs. So he was rarely home. I made clothing for our children to help. To support them so that was my contribution it was never enough though it was never enough uh, of a contribution so one day I have these little kids now I think the oldest is about 11 and Tommy's seven and Cynthia's five or four something like that Brent the youngest is three years old and I get a phone call from my son, Tom's Sunday school teacher. And she told me that Tom had invited her, without letting me know, by the way, to come to our home and share a story with the family. So she called on the phone and asked if that evening would be a good time to come. And I, being the people pleaser that I was, said yes. So she came to our home. I set all of the children around the dining room table. Then I sat off to the side. I was smoking a cigarette and sitting off to the side. And she turned to me and she said, would you like to join us? And of course, I said, oh, yes. And I put out my cigarette and I go to the dining room table and join the children to listen to this story. And she told the story about the Lord Jesus in such a simple way that even a little kid, 3-year-old, three, 3 years old could understand what she was saying. After she told this beautiful story, she said, "Would any of you like to invite Jesus into your heart?" And all 5 of us raised our hand and said, "Yes, we want Jesus." So on March 19th, 1972, I was 28 years old and invited Jesus into my heart. I say this um, because I want people to know how wonderful God is to even save somebody that's 28 years old and her whole, all of her children together. But that I want to encourage the Sunday school teachers around the world to investigate and see if there are children who would like them to come and share the gospel they don't have to say that they can say story to their to their families the reason that she came to our house is because i sent my children off to church with a friend and i stayed home with the baby because the baby had separation anxiety from mom. And so I just stayed home and the kids went to church. And that's why the Sunday school teacher made the offer, because I wasn't in church. And so she thought possibly it would be great to have me hear what the kids were hearing at church. So that's how it worked out. And it was wonderful. I was really I was very pleased. And she stopped by my house a couple days later, and offered me a Bible study. And in the Bible study was a foundation of what the Bible is, what how the Bible was put together, what the different books of the Bible mean, it was kind of like I call it the foundation of the Bible. And I needed that because I needed to understand that the Bible was God's word. And I needed to understand a lot of things. I had a lot of questions. And so she brought me that book. And it was a six-week study. And because I was so hungry, I finished it in six days. Then I called her and I said, do you have any more of these Bible study books? And she said, I don't, but I do have a Bible study at my home on Tuesdays. So you are welcome to come. And she gave me her address. And I started going to her home for Bible study with about 23 other ladies. That is where I learned a lot about the Lord Jesus. And I started attending the church that my children were going to. It was wonderful. It was a wonderful, wonderful experience.
1: One of the things Hi. I think is so amazing, like just, just with your story so far, is that you had you said that you were hurting yourself and that yes. you were trying to atone for something, yes. but that you didn't even know other people did this. Yes. So it wasn't something that you did because somebody else did or no. saw it on TV or anything. There was no. something deep inside of you trying to atone and what a yes. what a impactful word you chose.
0: And, yes. and here to
1: learn years later that the atonement yes. had already taken place.
0: Yes, and it took me a little while to get the the idea that Jesus already took care of it. Right. I, I mean, one day, all of a sudden, a light bulb went on, and I went, I don't have to do that anymore. I I can't atone for my own sins. And when that when that came up, oh, it, it made such a big difference because it was a whole learning thing. I I hadn't grasped. Oh, I'd grasped a few things from vacation Bible school and the Sunday school classes, but I hadn't uh, applied a lot of it to my life. I had quit hurting myself to atone. I punished myself in so many ways. It was. It was. It was so sad. It was sad because Jesus had already done it, and uh, I was trying to do it for myself. But I started Bible study in about April, and by December, I had gone out and applied for a job to help my husband so that he could stay home and go to church with me. And so I got a job with the school district as a substitute school bus driver. And the year that I started, that job was the year that they went to year-round school. So that meant my kids would be in year-round school. I worked year round, but the kids were home. Well, fortunately, the oldest child was old enough to watch the other children during that time when I was not home. And uh, (laughs) I drove for 15 years because the job worked into a full-time job. And then after I left the school busing, I stayed with the school district and worked with the special needs class for another five years. And then when I was 49, my husband and I just felt that we should open our own business. And we opened a health food store in a small community on the coast of Washington. And I packed up all my things and left my family, but my husband stayed because he had a job in, in the Tacoma area. So he stayed, but he would come every weekend to help me in the store. During this time, our marriage began to deteriorate. And of course, it would, because we weren't together enough. We weren't making decisions together. We weren't, you know, spending time together. And the time that we were together was in the store waiting on customers and doing that kind of thing. And it wasn't really us sharing each other. We did go to counseling. Uh, I say we tried counseling because counseling wasn't going to work because. By this time, my husband of 32 years was looking for greener pastures because his needs weren't being met and neither were mine. I mean, I was happy to let him go look in greener pastures because my needs weren't being met either. So after a very hard time with this, you know, when when your marriage is breaking up, you fight a lot because you're not doing this. You're not doing this. You know, you're going accusing each other back and forth. And this all happened at the time of menopause in my life. My adopted father had passed away and my stepmother, Carol, was too ill to be left on her own. So I was put in charge of her finances and her sister took care of her physical needs. And my husband divorcing me and all of this (laughs) in just a very little time, opening the business, the divorce. The sickness, the death, all of these things happened within just uh, a four-year time. And so I I struggled, and I actually thought I was out of God's will. Uh, Something must be wrong. My whole life fell apart. But you know, when that happens, sometimes God has something better for you. And so my ex-husband had moved along, and uh, he, he had remarried. I had found, oddly enough, a single guy that was very nice in our small community <clears throat> at, at the beach. He, he was with somebody else. He wasn't married, but he was just dating, seeing somebody else. So I just admired him from afar. And one day he came in to my store and he stayed to visit which was very unusual. He'd been to my store before, but he was just always there to pick up something and go. So I found out that that friend, lady friend of his that he was with had gotten cancer and she was dying. And she essentially kind of kicked him to the curb and said, you know, there's no future for you here. Move along. And he did. He moved right over to me. (laughs) So Daryl and I dated for a year. And then we married on Thanksgiving Day in 1997, the year before we married. During that time we went together, he gave his heart to the Lord and he was baptized. Well, two months after we were married, my 13-year-old granddaughter came to live with us. (laughs) So we sort of have uh, this swinging door thing all along. Then... My mother got very ill, and by this time, she was married for the fourth time to her fourth husband, and her third husband, Jack, had passed away, and mom just hated to be alone, so she married, and I had another stepdad, and uh, I closed my store, and I spent as much time with my mom as I could, and she passed away in 2001. And my mom left me her home. <laughs> I so often say, it's kind of like tongue in cheek. She left me her home and her husband. I uh, <laughs> That's kind of how I felt. She left me her home. She had a beautiful home on a lake up in the Auburn Federal Way area. But it was about two hours from where I lived. So I struggled with this decision. Of uh what I should do, should I move back to that home it was mine, or should I stay in the other home that was mine? And my stepdad would call every day crying and asking me to come and live with them. So I packed up my house, my husband, my granddaughter, and I moved in to my inherited house with my stepdad. Well my stepdad only lived another year. And then he passed away. And then my granddaughter turned 18 and she moved out. We enjoyed a short time alone until my daughter moved in with us. After my daughter moved out, we sold my inherited house and my beach house and moved to Spokane, where I became the caregiver for my two youngest granddaughters. We lived there for two years in Spokane, which was very difficult. It was very difficult to move into a little complex from a great big house.
1: You know, listening to you just mention family member after family member after family member that you either move in with or they move in with you or you're taking care of them or helping them in some way. How was that for your marriage? Because there's so many people that... Even if just one family member unexpectedly moves in, that can cause a huge strain on a relationship. I mean, especially for the women out there listening who might be in that season, right? Maybe they've taken in a parent or an in-law or maybe a grandchild or some other family member that they love them and they want to help them, but maybe they just they weren't expecting to be living with them at this particular season. Do you have any words of advice or encouragement to kind of navigate such as- You have to be married to my husband and I'm not giving him up.
0: (laughs) You have to know my husband. And I hear this all the time from my siblings, from my daughters-in-law, from my daughters. You have the most wonderful husband in the world. That's what they say to me. They love my husband. And here's the reason why. My husband is very easygoing. But my husband also has children that have come and live with us. (laughs) I don't tell about that in my story. But we have had his kids come and live with us too and be part of our menagerie. (laughs) Sometimes we've had one of his and one of mine living with us. It's It's been, you know, revolving door thing but my husband just takes it in stride. He is awesome. Of course, I'm kind of easygoing in that way too. I don't mean have them live on you, but to for a short time, be able to get their feet under them again, because they've made a mistake or they didn't calculate right. And so we've helped everyone of the children that have asked for it in one way or another, we've helped every one of them. So yeah,
1: it's my sweet husband and my ministry. (laughs) Mm -hmm. What a blessing. blessing. Mm -hmm. It's such a beautiful thing to hear you talk about your husband and what a, I mean, really what a servant's heart he has. And, and especially I know you're about to share with us kind of a, a, a very, challenging chapter that really focuses on him so tell our listeners what what happened during those years that you, that your husband went through
0: well my husband uh, had gotten uh, ill and had a blood clot uh, actually it's called the widowmaker blood clot in his lung at one point and he survived that blood clot And then it was a couple years later, he had a heart attack and had to have a four or five wave, I lose count, bypass in his heart, and he survived that. And then we were about to move back to the coast, and he got a thrombosis in his left leg and had to spend a couple weeks while I moved us from Spokane, back to our wonderful beach community, he spent in the hospital in Seattle. And then my husband's uh, daughter-in-law went and picked him up and took him home and took care of him there while I moved us. (laughs) That's where my grandson stepped in and helped me. The grandson that lives with me now, he was a teenager then, and he came with me to Spokane and helped me get us moved. So he had a really, really bad health issues for a couple of years. And then we got moved back. Actually, he, he wouldn't let me move anyplace else. <laughs> it was kind of funny. We were talking about it. And he just had kind of put his foot down and said, and he doesn't do this often, but he said, I want to move back to the beach. Well, that was a really good idea. And so we found a little house out at the very outer regions of the beach and a cute little house. It was practically brand new. And uh, we rented that house for, for a year, a little over a year, actually. And while we were living in that house, he and I gathered up scriptures that talked about God healing and scriptures about God moving mountains and opening up doors for us to have an opportunity to have a home of our own now we had we had no home of our own now because we had sold everything so we gathered these scriptures and every day we would say these scriptures and i would get one day, I'd say the ones for removing the mountains or obstacles, and he would do the healing scriptures. And the next day, I would do the healing scriptures, and he'd do the obstacle moving scriptures. And we, I had them typed out. on. A, I'd gone through the scriptures and typed them all out, two pieces of paper, and we did this for a year. And we went around our community laying hands on houses and praying for them. And, you know, we got the vibe that that wasn't the one and it sold to somebody else or something. Anyway, we knew that the Lord wanted us to be here and we wanted a house of our own. And then one day, the Lord just worked out everything. He worked out everything I was very concerned about going to the bank to ask for, you know, a loan for a home. And uh, I was shaking in my boots and actually made the lady take me to a back room so nobody could hear me explain our finances. And so she did. And then she came back and she said, I want you to know I will write you a letter saying that we are willing to back your loan or loan you the money for any amount and I was shocked I said really see that's the Lord my expectation was they were going to say no and God's expectation was you believe me right Mm -hmm. (laughs) you believe what I said so he delivered he delivered big time on those scriptures that we were believing and we were saying every day and actually Daryl's health has been wonderful for uh, all these 14 years, his health has been wonderful. So believing God's word has power. I I know this. I know it after 50 years of reading God's word, believing God's word. I know his word has power. And I believe that he just moved right in. So he provided us this wonderful home. And actually, it's an opportunity to minister to people because I have extra room. I can, you know, invite people to stay with me. And when I was 70 years old, I start, I had a bout of depression. And I actually was on my way to the doctor for something else. When I was overcome with this depression, I was talking to my doctor about it. And he talked me into taking some medication, which I, I really didn't I had no reason for depression, actually none. Everything was wonderful as far as I was concerned, but I don't know why, but for some reason. So I took this medication, but I wasn't allowed to drive with it. And my grandson, the one who lives with me now, needed a place to live. I had seen he had posted on his Facebook page that he was being kicked out of where he lived and he had was wondering if anybody had a tent. Well, this was the month of December not the best month to be tenting. And I thought, I need somebody to drive me and he needs a roof over his head. So this this is going to work. So I texted him and I said, grandma needs help. And I was just wondering if you would be available to come and help me. And he right away said yes. And so he came the day after Christmas and he's been with me ever since. It'll be seven years, the day after Christmas this year. Meanwhile, he was here and I said, you know, honey, I need your help, but I don't need you to be here every day if you'd like to go find a job. So he did. He went and found a job, which he worked at. It was a restaurant until last year when they closed because of the virus. And now he's been looking and working other places and trying to find another place where he's really comfortable and and feels like he's being paid what he's worth. Anyway, so uh, because I couldn't drive and because he needed a place, God put us together. Then his dad didn't have a place to live and he's disabled. And so my grandson came to me and said, Grandma, I need a place for my dad. And I said, "Okay," And so he's living here, too.
1: I think it's incredible that... You are so quick to say, yes, I will open my doors, I will be hospitable, and I will help. I think so many of us really hesitate to do that when people are in need or we think, oh, well, that's, you know, I hope somebody else helps them, but but I'm not going to do it. And just listening to your story, how many times you have opened your home, and we really are called to do that uh, biblically. So switching gears a little bit I wanted to ask you as we mentioned at the beginning of the episode you were a guest author at the Christian writing group and so I wanted to find out when did you start writing and and why did you start writing and what are you doing is there is there anything that listeners can read of yours can they can they purchase something that's published and where is it so I'll have you start with when and why you started writing, and we'll we'll go from there. Well,
0: I started writing because I had been attending a woman's luncheon through Stonecroft Ministries, and I listened to the gals make a presentation at the luncheon. It was about a 20-minute presentation and then offer an opportunity for people to ask Jesus into their heart. So I had attended several of these luncheons because they were right here in my community. And I thought, you know, maybe I could be a speaker at for Stonecroft. So I found out a little bit about it. And one of the things I needed to do, and the Lord told me this, he said, write out your testimony. And so I wrote the testimony and the part of the testimony that I wrote was about this Sunday school teacher that had come to my house and shared the gospel with me. I got this crazy idea that I would write more than one story. I would write another testimony leading to the same place as the first testimony, and then I wrote another one. Well, I had to have these all uh, edited and and approved by someone in Stonecroft. I think she lives in Oregon, and she read my third story and it was about a special fishing trip that my dad took me on. My birthday was always in April right around opening day of fishing season, but I could never go because for one reason or another I couldn't go. Either my dad was going to be gone longer than I could be gone from home or any number of reasons why. But he planned this special trip just to take me fishing. I was 11 when he planned this trip. And it was a good time because if I'd have been 13, I would have stuck my nose up in the air and said, no way am I going someplace where there's no electricity, shower, or toilet. And so we went out in the, in the deep things. Well, I wrote the story and the editor sent it back to me and said, this would make a great story for a magazine. And that's when I thought, oh, I could write. And so I did send the story into a magazine of the fishing trip that my dad took me on. And I started speaking at Stonecraft and I spoke down in Oregon and I spoke in Eastern Washington and up North above Seattle and those areas. And I spoke pretty well all around the Pacific Northwest for a few years. And then it got too much for me to travel away and it was kind of a little much for my husband it was for me to be gone because I'd be gone like a whole you know three days because I'd be I'd speak in one area then drive to another area and I'd be spending the night in people's homes and it it made it very hard it was never spending the night in a in a motel and you know when you're in somebody's house it's different than if you're in a motel anyway so then after I had stopped doing that, but I still wanted to write. I started writing a story about my dog. And then I wrote a story about one thing and another about, you know, how God saved other people kind of fiction that I just kept writing. And then I thought, you know, I really should join a writing group. So I did join a writing group. And in the writing group was a lady who put me on to Oregon Christian Writers. I attended a, one of their conferences and I fell in love with it. It's a wonderful program for writers. And then after I'd been a member for a couple of years, then they asked me to be on their prayer team. And so now I'm on their prayer team and I'm a member and I love it. And I have a writing group here in my little community, that we do critiquing of writing that I've done. And I usually write things that are fiction. And usually I write about things that happen to Christian people, or how some people don't start out being a Christian by the end of the book, they accept Christ as their Savior. So That's how my writing started. And it was a little over 10 years ago now that I've been writing.
1: What a journey. And, you know, we we talk about stories. We talk about that God is an author and that he is so creative and he weaves all of our stories together. And yet each story is unique. And so it's so neat to see how the author of the universe writes a story for you, who also becomes an author, and just just the power of of story in and of itself. Mm-hmm. You mentioned being on a prayer team, and 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 when we close, I'm going to ask you to pray for the listeners. Mm-hmm. But before we do that, I just wanted to give you uh, an, just an opportunity to speak directly to some of the listeners who just might be identifying with parts of your story. Mm-hmm and if you had that opportunity to sit down with them and and share with them some some words of wisdom and it, sometimes when we tell our story we focus on one particular chapter other times we give this broad overview of decades of life and life experience if somebody were to just ask for your wisdom on life and wanting to hear you know, some of the greatest life lessons that you've had, especially as you think of such an extended family, too, if your grandchildren and and the generations that follow get to listen to this someday. What would you what would you kind of want to leave them with?
0: You know, when you said that, I was thinking about all of the things that I have told my kids. You know, I have these little like sit down to eat, those kinds of things, but when I'm sharing the gospel with someone one-on-one, like I shared with my my grandson's dad years ago, I shared with him about the gospel. And I said, I want you to know that there are three things that you need to do that will help you grow. One of them is read your Bible every day. The next thing is to find a church that you're comfortable in that. Teach us about Jesus. And the third thing is pray. Pray every day. You don't have to go to the church every day, but read your Bible every day, pray every day, and attend church. And you'll grow. And because you can't know everything in the very beginning, like I didn't know everything. But I did want to say one thing about, and I'm glad you asked this question, because I was thinking about this, like, for the last two weeks that when I became a Christian, and I was just brand new baby, learning to walk in the Lord, Christian, about a year after I accepted Christ as my Savior, I was thinking, gosh, it's taken a long time for me to grow up in the Lord. I don't know how to do all those things these other Christians know how to do. And I looked back and observed from youth all the things that had happened and I thought you know what I just realized it was like a a light bulb I thought you know God was with me this whole time even when I wasn't with him even when I was doing my own atoning even when I was sinning lying cheating whatever I was doing that was not in God's will for my life even though all of those things were going on and I was stomping my feet and being a brat, God was with me. I could see his hand moving in my life. The divorces, the step parents, the, all of that, God was there with me. It was just an awesome, awesome thing, which really helps me not to be a griper because <laughs> what I mean by that is, you know, people complain, oh, gosh, this isn't going right. And oh, gosh, blah, blah, blah. Well, I learned that God is with me and he has a purpose for a lot of things that I went through. I don't know if I would have been such a great stepmom if I hadn't had several stepdads and stepmothers. I I don't know. I I don't know if I'd been such a great bus driver if my stepdad hadn't taught me how to drive an old Hay truck out in the field. I, all these things that happened to me, all the things that I learned, I could see were things that God was preparing me for my Christian life. He was preparing me in every way. And so I want to just say, stay away from compl- complaining about what's going on in your life now. Young people, don't don't complain about what's going on in your life now. Learn from it. Ask the Lord to show you what you need to know to be a glory to him. Because I I that's my main thrust. I want to be a glory for God. I want to be surrendered to his will. And when you aren't surrendered to his will, you find yourself griping, complaining about how things aren't going so great. So that's one thing I want to say. I've not learned it completely. Believe me, I still have gripes, but I have learned that. God's got a purpose for all of these things that are going on in my life. Mm-hmm. And I know if he does it to me, he'll do it to everybody.
1: You know, it sounds so simple, right? Yes. Don't complain. No griping. Mm-hmm. It is one of the hardest things for probably everybody. It's so easy to complain. And and gosh, right now, don't we hear it constantly? Mm -hmm. And wouldn't it it be nice if we could have, I don't know, even 24 hours, if not maybe a whole week where you could, if you did turn on any sort of media, that there would not be any complaining, like it just all got filtered out?
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, you can't, you have control over that. TV or that (laughs) radio or that you know iPhone or what wherever you are. You have control over that. That's and you know, you have control over what you think. Yeah. That is the truth. You can say, and I know this is true. I've done this with myself. I've said, okay, I'm not going to think about that right now. I'll make a date for me to think about that at the end of the week. I'm going to think about these important things. And By the end of the week, that thing, a lot of times has just worked itself out. That one thing that was really bugging me, deeply, you know, frustrating me, that I I had to choose what I was going to think about. And everybody has to do that. You have to choose to be, you know, thinking positive, thinking, yes, God is in control. God is working in my life. You know, it's real easy to get discouraged right now because that's the enemy's big. You know, that's his big weapon right now is things are are not the same as they were before the virus. And even 40 years ago, things are not the same as they were 40 years ago. And yet God's here. God's working. God's teaching us. And he's um, he's with us. He is with us.
1: Yes, he is. What you said about controlling our thoughts. I, it's funny because the first thing that came to my mind, because I'm just a huge gone with the wind fan, and I immediately heard Scarlett O'Hara saying, I won't think about that today. I'll think about that tomorrow. <laughs> but which, you know, it's like, okay, great. That that sounds easy enough, right? But but it, there's so much biblical truth to that. They, we're called to take our thoughts captive. And and that can feel impossible. Like, okay, yeah, you, you, you say we can do that, but how do we actually do that? And so- I, you know, I think as we close and you pray for our listeners, I would love to ask you to pray for that, specifically for women to be able to surrender their thoughts to Jesus and to have that control and to and to think about what is good and pure and lovely, because I, I do think our thoughts are, they can easily take control of us if we don't take control of them. Yes,
0: it is. It is. And I, I think I told you about that. Recently, I'd gotten too many things on my list of things to do, my to do list, and I started having these anxiety attacks. And I had to choose to praise God through them because I don't know if you've ever had an anxiety attack, but it feels like you're going to die. And I mean, it feels like your heart's going to stop and your stomach's churning and everything's not right. And I have to make a decision. This isn't, this is me, but I just had to spend the time, when I, because it, it woke, I woke up in the middle of the night with it, spend the time praising God for his healing touch, praising him for his plan, praising him, getting my mind off of all the things I had to do so that I could focus on Jesus and his plan for me. And his plan for me wasn't what I was doing. I was procrastinating or I was getting too much on my plate. And he doesn't plan that. He never plans that for me. So, yes, there there are so many things that are coming into my head right now to pray for. I don't want to forget anything, but I'll be glad to. If you're ready for me to pray, I'll be glad to do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And thank you so much. We're ready for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity, first of all, to say that our thoughts, Lord God, We know that they need to be on you, but the enemy comes to force himself on us with his lies and to defraud us from our calling and to, well, really, to kill our hopes. He is a hope killer. And Lord, I just want to ask you now to help the women, young ladies, whoever's listening, Lord. To take a hold of their thoughts. As you say in the scripture, take a hold of their thoughts, Lord God, and turn them around to be thoughts of hope, of peace, and of kindness. And being kind to ourselves is as important as being kind to others. Lord, I know that it's not like in black and white. I know life has got its gray areas, but I know that the word is true and that we can control what we think. We can control when we think and we can control what we decide to determine to do as we walk in Jesus's steps and do what he has called us to do. And I ask you, Lord God, to bless the ears and the souls and the hearts of people who are listening so that they can grasp that they have more control than they think they do. And I ask that you thwart the efforts of the enemy in each one of their lives. Give them the joy that gives them strength in their lives today and every day. And I praise you, Lord God, for the awesome opportunity to believe you for this wonderful blessing that God has given. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen. Thank you again. Thank you so much for praying for our listeners. Thank you for your writing. And thank you for opening up and sharing the story that that God has written for you. I know that There will be many ladies who identify with several chapters that you've touched on, and it's always an encouragement to hear somebody else's story. So thank you so much for sharing. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in to this particular episode. We hope you were blessed. We hope you were encouraged. And we hope you join us next time for our next story. Good night, y'all. The Story Night Podcast. A ministry of Calvary Mac. For more women's stories, visit calvarymac.com slash women.